Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our teacher, Steve Butler. We are in a series right now exploring the important prophecy terms found in God's Word. You can follow along with our free study guide that you can download from our website. Simply visit whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Click on the program name, Exploring Bible Prophecy, and there you will find our free study guide. So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we are in the third set of prophetic terms that we have been covering in preparation for getting into our overview of the 30 prophetic events that are yet to take place in the Bible, starting with today and going forward through eternity at the end of the book of Revelation. Uh, And we are in our third set of these seven sets of terms. We're looking at the contrast between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. And you may think, well, gospel, that's good news. You might think, well, that's Jesus. Well, that's true in both cases. It is good news, and it's from Jesus. But it is two quite different gospels. And the gospel that we're looking at here is the gospel that was preached when Jesus first started to minister in Israel, and he was ministering to Israel. The church was not in view. There was no concept of a death, a burial, a resurrection to believe in. So therefore, he did not talk about salvation. He did not talk about justification through faith and so forth. This was purely an announcement of what had been prophesied all through the Old Testament, and that's where we're going to go back to today as we started in our last program, and that's all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book in. you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, and we're in Deuteronomy 28 to help us understand the Old Testament Genesis, if you will, of the gospel of the kingdom and the fact that what Jesus was preaching in this gospel of the kingdom was actually preached by God through Moses to the Israelites 1,400 years before when they came out of the wilderness. Remember, they came out of Egypt after 400 years. They were in the wilderness for another 40 years because they had um, basically uh, chose not to follow Moses. They were arguing and complaining and so forth. And the key, the thing that broke the camel's back, if you will, was when the 12 spies uh, were sent into the promised land and came out and 10 of the 12 spies said, there's no way we can take, take that land from the giants and whoever else was in the land at the time. And of course, this was, in, this was basically saying, God, we don't believe you because God had said, go in and take it. Scout it out, but come back and we'll go in and take it. Well, they didn't believe God would do that for them. So the punishment was, well, you were in there for 40 days. I'm going to punish you for 40 years. And that was to make sure that the first generation that came out of Egypt would die in the wilderness. That was their punishment. And that their offspring, their children, the second generation, would be the ones to go into the promised land. And that's exactly what happened. And in the the wonderful grace of God, He sat that second generation of Israelites down in um, Jordan, what is known as Jordan today. Back then it was called Moab, that portion of Jordan 
right across from what is now Jerusalem and Jericho and so forth, right across the river, the Jordan River, sat them down. And it's just amazing as you study the book of Deuteronomy, their entire future from the moment they crossed the Jordan all the way through the millennial kingdom, which has yet to happen. All it, the tribulation, the millennial, it's all in there. And he told them this would happen to them and he would bless them if they obeyed him and he would punish them if they disobeyed him. And that's why we're in Deuteronomy 28, because if you look at Deuteronomy 28, then as we get into chapters five, six, and seven of um, Matthew, which is the Sermon on the Mount, you can see the many similarities because it's just a restatement of what God promised through Moses to the Israelites before they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. And we were in in Deuteronomy 28, and what Deuteronomy 28 is known for, you know, there's certain books in the Bible where you know what the theme is, and then within certain books there's certain chapters where you kind of know what the theme is. And in Deuteronomy, we know that chapter 28 is the blessings and the curses that God promised to Israel. And as we mentioned in our last program, one of the interesting things about Deuteronomy 28 is there are 68 verses in Deuteronomy 28, and verses 1 through 14 are the blessings. 1 through 14. And then 15 through 68 are all the horrible curses. So you would think before the Israelites came across the Jordan that would they would have said, okay, I know which way I'm going to go. I'm going to believe God. But God knew through his omniscience and being creator God that Israel would not do that, that they would be a hard-headed ethnic group of people and would for thousands of years. So he told them in advance, and that's the, the, the wonderful grace of God. He told them in advance, here's what I'm going to do to you. Here's what I'm going to do to you if you disobey me. and. You know, we can sit here uh, in our little comfortable chair with our Bible in front of us and say, boy, those are some hard-headed people. I'd never do that. Well, I don't think they thought they were going to do it either when they came across the Jordan. But look what happened. But the main thing is that God offered them this wonderful blessings here 1,400 years before Christ offered it the first time and Christ is going to offer it again at the end of the tribulation, which for us is yet future. For Israel, it's yet future. And that'll be offered to them after the church is raptured out. So we will not participate in that horrible um, tribulation period. And the the major purpose, according to the Bible, the major purpose of the seven-year tribulation yet to come is to bring Israel, hard-headed, stiff-necked Israel, to a saving knowledge of their Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know the second time that will happen. They will accept him, or at least a portion of them will accept him. So we were in Deuteronomy 28, and we were looking at how they were expecting one thing uh, from Jesus. When he came to announce the kingdom and to share the gospel of the kingdom, they were looking and waiting to hear certain aspects of it. And this was because their leadership was so corrupt, so evil, 
that they were only looking for the things that benefited them and not the things that brought glory to God. And I'll explain that as we go along here. As you, as we went into Deuteronomy 28 in our last program, we were looking at verses 10 to 12. And let me read those again because, and as you see, I said 10 to 12. I didn't say the whole chapter or even all of, all of the blessings. And I'll go back to one here in a minute to make my point why. But look at nine, uh, rather 10 through 12. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you, specifically Israel, you are called by the name of the Lord, and they, all the nations of the world, will be afraid of you. That's what they were told. That's what they were going to look forward to. And that's not untrue. It would have happened. Jesus would have, have taken care of the situation on the earth at that time on a global basis and would have removed the Roman government and would have caused all the nations of the earth to fear Israel. So, you know, from a secular perspective, that sounds pretty good. I'm excited about that. But it it, it came with conditions, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Verse 11, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Again, it's all about Israel. In the offspring of your body and in the offspring of your beast and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. So you see this wonderful prosperity. This was, this was much even better than when David ruled uh, Israel. And the nations around Israel feared Israel. They feared what David and his armies could do to them. And they actually paid tribute in gold and silver and food and so forth to Israel that uh, they would lend, uh, but they would not borrow. They were preeminent among the nations at that particular point in time. And they were being told by their leadership at the time of Christ, this is what we're going to expect when the Messiah comes. So this is Jesus when he came the first time to pronounce this gospel of the kingdom. This is what they were expecting to hear. And by the way, just a side note here, I didn't know if you picked up on it as we read 10, 11, and 12 here in Deuteronomy 28. You notice all the blessings, and indeed all the blessings from 1 to 14 are all about the earth. There's not a single blessing in here that relates to heaven. And that's because God's plan for Israel has always been earthly. It's always been in what we call an earthly Adamic body, the body that Adam was given flesh and blood. You cut it, it bleeds. Whereas, and of course this is for another time, and it's actually the gospel of grace, which we'll talk about next, contrasting with the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom was earthly, the gospel of grace is heavenly. There are no promised blessings to the church on the earth. So whenever you see anything related to the earth as a blessing, you know that he's not talking about the church. Contrarywise, whenever you see blessings that are related to heaven, you know that he's not talking about Israel as his wife. Now, obviously a Jew can be part of the church, but that's That's a separate issue, and that's a small group of Jews. But when he talks about the gospel of the kingdom, he's never talking about heaven. So when you see the word heaven, 
you want to understand the context. So back to our point here in Deuteronomy 28, we're seeing that if if they, well, we'll get to that. You'll see that the nations will fear Israel. You'll see that prosperity will just be unbelievably bountiful. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Now it shall be, there it is, if, if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Uh-oh. Now there's a condition and we have to obey. Being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. This is Moses talking. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So they were told to expect conquering a conquering king who would come in and vanquish the enemies and then would cause amazing blessings of prosperity to the land. What they weren't being told was the ifs. If you diligently obey the Lord God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. That's what caught them by surprise. So when we get in, and, and we're going to spend some more time here in Deuteronomy to, to further set the stage because there's even more uh, wonderful background here, uh, background before we get into the Sermon on the Mount. But when Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount, he, he doesn't talk about, I'm coming to conquer the world for you and to prosper you. He's saying, I've got some conditions. I've got some moral and I've got some ethical conditions that I'm going to require you to follow. And that's what caught him by surprise. So we, we're, we're trying to establish the Old Testament basis for that because, frankly, there are churches out there that want to preach the uh, Sermon on the Mount as a church message, and it's not the church. The church isn't in view. Yes, there are applications because we are talking moral and ethical principles, but it's addressed to Israel at that time. The church wasn't even mentioned yet at that point. So that's where we are. We, we've got this, 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 not this idea, this fact <laughs> that God is saying, if you diligently obey me, I will bring all this about. And, of course, that's what Jesus was saying at his um, first coming to the Israel, and this is what Jesus will say again when he judges the world, when he judges all the Gentiles and all the Jews that are on the earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation. It's going to be the same thing. And in that case, it will be if, not, not if, but because, because you obeyed me or because you didn't obey me. That's how he's going to judge the Jews and the Gentiles at the end of the tribulation. But what I'd like you to do now is let's stay in Deuteronomy and let's go to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. And there's a wonderful passage in here um, about what God is going to do for Israel if they believe him. If they believe him, remember he's just finished in twenty eight talking about the um, the blessings and the curses, and he's going to basically say, "If you uh, believe me, I want to focus on the blessings." So in Deuteronomy chapter thirty, let's look at the first ten verses. The first ten verses, and we probably have enough time here to read through these, and then we'll go back in our next program and, and dig into them a little bit. 
Verse 1 of Deuteronomy 30, So it shall be, when all these things have come upon you, the blessings and the curses which I have set before you, and you call them to mine in all nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. Then, verse 3, then the Lord your God, and there are ten I wills listed here, ten I wills. Verse 3, then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. Verse 4, if your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Verse 6, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart, circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecute you. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments, which I command you today. Verse 9, Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, and in the produce of the ground, for the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. Verse 10, If you obey the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, if you return to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. What an amazing passage. And basically, this is what Jesus preached when he came, and he will preach this again because actually, as we look at the flow of the Bible from our wonderful perspective here, um, 2,000 years after Christ and just before uh, things start to happen prophetically, we can see that this is actually going to happen at the end of the tribulation period yet to come. But it could have happened 1,400 years before Christ. It could have happened at the time Christ came the first time. It all just simply depended on believing who he was. So we'll get into that in our next program, but we need to transition, as we always do, over to our Q&A. And we have a, a Q&A that's actually providing us a great overview of a good part of the uh, prophetic part of the Bible and the judgments and the resurrections of the righteous that are yet to happen. And we talked about, well, the question is, who is not going to be included in the rapture of the church? And unfortunately, uh, just because of a lack of understanding of the Bible and a lack of, you know, good, uh, uh, complete teaching of the Bible, people think that if you're 
not in the rapture, then it's everybody else, that everybody else is going to hell. Well, that's not true from an entire biblical perspective. There were righteous people in the Old Testament called the Old Testament saints, and we're in the process of talking about them, and we'll continue that here in this program. Then we're going to talk about the people who are are killed for their faith in the in the tribulation, which is yet to come, and the Bible calls them tribulation saints. And then at the end of the millennial, excuse me, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, God is going to judge all the people that are living on the earth, both Jew and Gentile. And of those, there is going to be a portion of them, uh, both Jew and Gentile, that will be considered righteous. So there are righteous people that will be saved. We will see them in our resurrected, glorified bodies when we come back with Christ, or we'll see them in heaven, either on heaven in heaven or on earth, uh, as we have work to do on the earth as the church during the, the, the thousand-year kingdom. So it's not just the rapture when the righteous are taken to heaven. So we're looking at the Old Testament saints, and these are people from Adam and Eve, And yes, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, but yes, God did provide a substitutionary sacrifice in the garden. Not only did he provide the blood from a sinless substitute, which was this animal, we don't know what it was, but it had a skin, and it says that after he shed the blood, which is the forgiveness of sins, and this was all set up by God all the way back in the garden, what Jesus would do. This is a type and shadow. This is what's so wonderful about God and his word to tell us this, that not only did he shed the blood of a sinless animal to forgive that sin, but then he took the skin of the animal and he clothed Adam and Eve. And if you do cross-references from the Hebrew words, what this is is symbolic of God putting on the Holy Spirit, putting the Holy Spirit on Adam and Eve. In other words, we were we we're basically shown uh, through example here that they are saved. And then, of course, the next person would be uh, Abel, whom Cain, his brother, killed because Abel brought the proper sacrifice. Abel was made aware that the proper way to come before the Lord was through a blood sacrifice, and that's exactly what Abel did. Cain, on the other hand, brought fruits, vegetables, whatever was the the produce of the ground, and we have to remember that prior to that, God had cursed the ground. So Cain was obviously in defiance and disobedience of God, and of course we won't see him again. But Abel understood the proper way to approach God and how to sacrifice, and he did that, and we will see Abel again. So Adam and Eve, Abel, Seth, and that whole righteous uh, line Uh, are part of what we call the Old Testament saints. And we were going through Hebrews to help us understand how the Old Testament saints um, were considered righteous and how they are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ ultimately, even though Christ did not die. In fact, Adam and Eve lived, um, you know, let's just say 4,000 years before, and of course Adam lived 900, so up to 3,000 years before. And anyway, it was a long time before Christ was actually alive and then uh, sacrificed on the cross for our sins. So we were in Hebrews 11 to help us understand that, and we saw that 
Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter, and it deals with the Old Testament saints. So if you want to talk to somebody about the Old Testament saints, you take them to to Hebrews, at least one place, and that's Hebrews 11. And it talks about in the beginning here, and we went over the first six verses a couple of programs ago, where it talked about it's through faith that you believe, and it's faith, the assurance of things hoped for, it says in Hebrews uh, verse 11, verse 1. The uh, conviction of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the men of old, and in this case that means the Old Testament saints, before the church was created by God. For by it the men of old gained approval. So they gained approval, and then we read uh, again in, in Hebrews 11 from 13 to 16, Uh, looking specifically here very quickly at 13, all these died in faith, and that's what that whole verse, first six verses were about, in faith without receiving the promises. Well, what in the world are the promises? Well, God is, is gracious, and he tells us what this is talking about. It says that they had not received the promises, but they still had faith. Um, and it talks about they were thinking of a country from uh, a, a heavenly one, a heavenly country. Verse 16, um, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And, of course, that's the New Jerusalem. Well, you can't get to the New Jerusalem unless it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. So how did that come about for an Old Testament saint? We talked about that in... Um, Ephesians chapter 4, where Jesus went down into Hades to the righteous side of Hades, which is what was called Abraham's bosom, and he took all the souls, all the spirits of those people, which we call the Old Testament saints, and took them to heaven with him. And that was when the promise was complete. And Hebrews 11 specifically addresses that, and that's where we want to pick up here, to, to finish out our look at Hebrews chapter 11. So I uh, invite you to look at the last two verses of Hebrews 11. The last two verses of Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, talking about the Old Testament saints. In verse 39 it says, And all these, referring back to all those Old Testament saints listed there above in the prior 38 verses of Hebrews 11, And all these having gained approval, and that word approval comes from way over in verse 2, for for by it the men of old gained approval, for all these having gained approval through their faith. Faith is the key. And then again, you recall we learned over here in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So we're talking about reward here. Through their faith, back to verse 39, did not receive what was promised. That goes back to our talk in verse 13. Because God had not provided something better for us. So, And you see the inclusiveness here. So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What, we, what are we talking about? We're talking about the death, burial, and erection of Jesus Christ. This did not happen until 32 AD. Well, this in in a lot of cases was thousands of years before or after people had died, but they had died in faith 
but they were waiting for Jesus to come and die on the cross. And having died on the cross, he went to Hades, took their souls, their spirits up to heaven. And then they will learn here in our next uh, um, Q&A portion, our next program, when they receive their resurrection bodies, just like we do. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for the unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.